Welcome to the Grey Wolf Podcast. Here we go for episode 12 of the Grey Wolf Podcast. It is Ned joined by John. Johnny, big one today, man. Yeah, Ned. big one, man. And it's not often that I have fanboy moments, but I'm having one right now. We've got Melbourne United superstar Mitch McCarron on the line. How you doing, man? Good, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. Oh, thank you so much, man. We want to kick this off with a little bit of a lighthearted moment here, Mitch. We want to know, how is the TP situation there? How's the TP situation? Yeah. Oh, I got plenty. I stuck up from Costco, well, for months anyway. We were hoarding from the get-go. Ah, stockpiling. That's smart, man. That's very smart. So if we were to have a coronavirus zombie outbreak, which we're predicting, which teammate's house would you be most likely to bunker down at, do you reckon? Who's got the suite uh, set up at home? Oh... That's a good question. <laughs> it is, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Dave, Dave Barlow's got a few of them, so I probably want to borrow one off him. Oh, okay, <laughs> there you go. Dave Barlow, the man to go to right there. Now, Mitch, on a little bit of a less lighthearted note, I guess, you come so painstakingly close in that last final against Sydney. What was the sort of feeling around the camp after that loss? Yeah, it was obviously tough. You know, we thought we had some good momentum going into the series and for the majority of the series, you know, we played the way we wanted to. So, you know, it sucks, but that was the result in the end. But at the same time, you know, I'm pretty proud of what we did, especially in the later part of the season. So, you know, it was it sucked on the night, but looking back, you know, there's so many positives to, to remember. Yeah, absolutely, man. And, and Ned and I talk about this quite frequently. That run of form you guys had in the sort of last half of the last part of the season there to make finals is unreal. And how about that game too against Sydney? Man, like, I mean, the feeling must have been pretty amazing after that game. And, geez, you guys look good. Yeah, it was probably one of the, uh, well, yeah, definitely one of the craziest games I've ever been playing with. Um, that third quarter, I think it was, where <laughs> it was just going everywhere. It, it kind of felt like I'd just, you know, bring the ball up and just pass it to anyone that I wanted. We didn't have to run a play, just pass <laughs> it, they'll shoot it, and it'll go in. I, I've, I've never been a part of a game like that before. Yeah, it was just absolutely something else. And we were saying here, Melbourne United have come from nowhere. They've they've snuck into fourth place. And now you guys literally, after that game, we were tipping you to win the whole thing. It was absolutely insane. And as United fans here, we were, we were excited yeah. to, you know, get the win. Yeah, definitely. They're a really tough team and they've got a lot of talent. We, we felt like we dropped game one, you know, on our own faults, not to take anything away from them. And game two, we had to have that desperation. You know, you lose, you're out. But yeah, it all came together. It was pretty special. Yeah, Jeez. it was a somber moment in that game one too. Like, you guys pretty much had that one in the bag. And I remember saying to John here, because we cover this on a weekly basis, I'm like, man, that one might come back to haunt them. That was, yeah, that not cool with that 16 points. I think you're up there with six minutes to go and are you guys looking back at that one much? Oh, I mean, yeah, it'd be easy to sit here and, and be Captain Hindsight and, and say we could have done this, we could have done that. I mean, if we, you know, I could do that all throughout the season and say if we won that game, if we played that position better, if we finished that little streak of games better, we would have more home games and maybe we don't put ourselves on the road to begin with. So, yeah, it sucks, you know, that we weren't able to close out game one, but, you know, we made a lot of mistakes over the course of the season and it's something we'll have to improve for next year. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And we, we both agree that it was definitely the top four teams that made the the finals this season. It's been an unreal final series so far. And a little personal highlight I suppose for us, Mitch, was uh, standing over Casper Ware. I think it was in game three. We love that bit. <laughs> 
<laughs> My intent wasn't really to stand over him. I was hoping to just get the ball quickly, but he had it wrapped in his arms, so I kind of waited for him to release it, and then I was like, oh, it's good. I'm like, it's not really my style, but... I'm, I'm going to get a picture of that sign to put up in my uh, little pool room at home at some stage. Yeah, <laughs> never mind money-making Mitch McCarron. It was more like gangster moves, Mitch McCarron. Don't mess with this guy. I like it. <laughs> all right, buddy. Well, let's throw back to your early days. We do like to chat and find out how you got started and all that sort of thing. You grew up in Alice Springs. Can you let us know your sort of pathway to how you got to where you are today? Yeah, so I was born in Alice Springs and we left when I was three, you know, after my brother was born. So I grew up, spent most of my time in Brisbane before going to the AIS at 17. And after a year at the AIS, I went, came back home for six months in Brisbane and then went to college. So that was kind of my first overseas trip in terms of living overseas. And from then on, it, it kicked on to being a professional and having my first year as a pro in Spain. So that was pretty fun. Yeah, that's pretty cool, man. And was there a point at your, yeah, in your junior career where you realised that, you know, basketball was for you? You know, you often have that moment, whether it's under 12s, under 15s, where you go, yeah, this is really what I want to do with my life? Yeah, obviously when you're younger, you, you think, you know, your perception of, of what it is as a pro and what the lifestyle is and what it takes to get there is so different to what it actually is. I mean, as you get older, you start to realise the sacrifices that you're going to have to make, you know, whether it's social life, whether it might be academics at the time to get, you know, as a junior playing basketball in Brisbane, you know, I had a training or a game every single day of the week. And, you know, talk about load management at that age, I just loved ball so much, so I didn't really think about it too much. But I look back thinking, like, if my parents didn't make that sacrifice, you know, not just myself, but my parents made the effort to get me to all those trainings, would I be here? So I always thought it would be a cool lifestyle, but looking back, man, there were so many sacrifices along the way that allowed me to get here. Yeah, most definitely there. And you mentioned your parents in there, Mitch. I believe your dad was your coach at one stage. Is that right? Yeah, he was. He's been a basketball coach for a long time and a really good coach. I'm a little biased, but um, <laughs> he really he really knows his stuff. A guy that kind of understands, too, that if people really want to get places, he's happy to help them. There's different pathways. He's not going to force things upon players and, and just loves talking and speaking about the game and different teams and different leagues. So his passion definitely came out in me. Yeah, fantastic, man. Sounds like a great role model, of course. And let's just fast forward to your time at college at Metro State. How did you go fitting in there at first amongst all the Americans? Yeah, it was fun. Uh, the, the program has a good history of Australians, actually, so it, it wasn't so much for myself. While I was unfamiliar with a lot of guys. There was Nick Kay was going in with me as a freshman, who's obviously killing it now in the league. And, you know, at that stage, he was somewhat unidentified in terms of what he would become. So going in with him, we were both not nervous, but just anxious about getting into, you know, working hard. There was another couple of these that had been there. Paul Brotherson was, was a senior at the time. And he was great for us and just explaining how things worked and the program was tough. We had a, we had a tough coach who, you know, if you weren't all about basketball, you, you probably weren't going to enjoy it that much because, again, I keep using the word sacrifice, but if you weren't ready to make sacrifices for the team, then you know, it was going to a quick year, you'd get let go. So we were a little bit, yeah, uncertain about how it would go, but at the same time, we both just love playing ball and it's a perfect program for that. Yeah, I love that right yeah. there. And to be honest, I didn't know about Nick Kay going there. I'm not sure about you, John. And often you hear about St. Mary's and a lot of the Aussies going there. But I, I didn't know that so many people were Australians going to Metro State. 
Yeah, so I'm probably going to forget some and I shouldn't, but just to name a few, like Luke Kendall, Mark Worthington, Dave Barlow, who I'm, you know, obviously playing with right now. Some of the guys that I have been around in my career and great role models. Um, Jesse Wagstaff is another one. Before that, there were many Australians that had had success and it was easy for us to look up to them and kind of say, well, these guys did it, so why can't we? You know, a lot of comparisons were made to Mark Worthington's journey and crack down and we work hard and, and we get better as players it'll lead to good things and it's how you did well that's that's pretty cool actually I didn't I didn't know all those list of players went through Metro State but how did you guys go as Australians climatizing to the Denver weather yeah it was it was a hit <laughs> I've always been a warm weather kid you know I thought Canberra was pretty cold and then Denver winter was something else it's just that mountain breeze that when it hits you it, it stings in the morning and, and we would have practices at 6am start so we'd be up at 4.45 getting into the van and that wind just walking even that like 5 metre walk to the van you just get this wind on your face and it's like man I need to go back to bed <laughs> <laughs> is it worth me being here for this so yeah it was cool it's a bit like the extreme of Melbourne, you know, how the temperature can change so quickly. It can go from sunny to rainy to cold to warm. Denver's like that, just on ice, you know. It's snowing cold and then all of a sudden the sun's out and you walk out of class and it's snowing again. It's crazy. Jeez. <laughs> it doesn't sound like a very nice spot, but obviously it was fantastic for yourself. Mitch, do you have any funny memories or good stories you can share with us, with maybe with the Aussie boys over there? Oh, there's so many. So many. I mean, we had part of the program, why it was so successful is, you know, a cliche word, but culture and, and tradition. Mm. You know, we had a bunch of traditions that our coach, when he was an assistant coach, he carried on for when he was leading the group. So we'd have a few camping trips. You know, once a year we'd go hike a, a 14er, which is a 14,000 feet mountain. Wow. We'd do that as a team and go out and camp out the night before and, and get real and have some real conversations about ourselves and the team and you know, it was a really eye-opener for having teammates open up about their personal lives. And I think as, as a freshman, you didn't truly open up. You know, you, you wouldn't really say your deepest, darkest. And then as you became more comfortable and you were a leader of the team, you'd hear some really amazing stories about teammates and their backgrounds and where they're from and what they've had to come through. So yeah, they're really long stories, but just experiences like that, you, you never get again. Wow, and yeah. uh, it sounds like those sorts of experiences really build character and resilience, don't they? I guess that's sort of why they do these team-building exercises. Yeah, absolutely. I think it just, it's obviously multi-purpose, but it allows guys to kind of share their story and, and their history and how they got to where they are. And, you know, for myself, I mean, we didn't come up with a ton of money, but when you hear what some of these guys have been through, you're scrapping just to eat. And, and they're your teammates now, and now you're both on scholarship, you both eat, drink at the same places, you know, you, you have a lot of more appreciation of what you had growing up. So if you take it away from us, it, you know, the hard life that they had really opened our eyes up, which was which was pretty cool. Yeah, I was going to say a real eye-opener there and changing things up to a more light-hearted side, I guess, Mitch. What about funniest memories there? Did you cop much flack being an Australian? Did you get made fun of or anything like that? Or, or what was the go? <laughs> Probably ran the joint. <laughs> no, Aussies are the cool kids. Yeah, we, uh, we're obviously pretty popular with the accents. So, I mean, just the way that we are, you know, if someone would make fun of us, we'd kind of just laugh and, and make fun of them. Like, you know, yeah, as Aussies, yeah. we're, we're more than happy to rip on each other all day. So... <laughs> 
we fit right in in that and, and we had a bunch of teammates that would you know enjoy that little back and forth as well I mean, you'd make friends in class the same thing you'd say an answer to a teacher and everyone would kind of giggle or something <laughs> that's actually pretty cool and obviously the accent worked over there Mitch because you met your partner Abby at college is that right? I did I did yeah we met freshman year we were in the same class two plays and played college soccer so we were both athletes took a lot of the same freshman classes and lived in the same kind of student housing building so we saw a lot of each other oh that is awesome right there I love it alright well let's switch things up to playing at Cairns how did you find your first sort of professional gig I, I guess playing with the tie pants yeah it was fun it was a my first year in Spain was a very different one in terms of culture role and what they wanted me to be as a player compared to what Cairns would want me to be you know the coach at the time Aaron Fern was you know I'm close with Fernie now but going in it was he let it be known that you know you're going to have to earn every minute I don't just throw minutes at young guys you're going to have to earn everything you're going to have to defend and there were so many little holes in my game that I knew I wanted to make better but I had to make better and quickly if I wanted to play so fortunately for myself there was a couple injuries that allowed me to maybe have more of an opportunity than I would have in other circumstances and I ended up getting shoved into the three <laughs> the, the three man which is never a position that I really thought I'd play as a professional but I ended up playing the three pretty much every single year of my career. So that's just how it's gone. Gee, that worked out pretty good, didn't it, in the end? Yeah. And of course, you've had a pretty big few years. Mitch, obviously playing at Kansas, Ned mentioned, winning a championship in the Sylvanian League, which is pretty amazing, playing in New Zealand. And now you're obviously settled in Melbourne. Do you feel like you're at home right now playing with United? Yeah, the club's been incredible to myself and, and my partner, Abby. I mean, you know, we feel really at home and obviously signing a, a three-year deal. You know, I was the same feeling as my first year as a pro. I was kind of like, gee, you know, I'm going into a, a city and a team that I don't know that well. I've obviously been in Melbourne a few times but have never lived down here and you know I knew the traffic was going to be bad compared to a place like Cairns and I was worried about all those little things but yeah it's been an incredible experience and we've fell a little bit short both seasons so far but yeah I've loved my time here. Yeah well on that sort of topic what does the future hold because I know you Pracer and Purchase are the only three players sort of signed up for the moment can you sort of do you have any inside scoop or anything of the future of United? Oh man, it's so early. Obviously I know some of us are contracted and hopefully we retain a lot of the group. Decisions haven't been made. As far as I'm aware, I certainly haven't heard any. <laughs> so yeah, I guess we'll see. I'm really hoping that we keep the majority of the group, but at the same time, I always support guys. If, if they get a really good offer somewhere, they got to take it. So I'd be happy for them as well. Yeah, of course. And I guess if you hold open tryouts, I mean, we could throw the, the basketball boots in the car now to try it down. And <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll put some on in the, in the off-season. <laughs> of course, man. In the meantime, we did mention earlier you're going to be playing with the Geelong Supercats. Who Justin Schuller's taken over head coach. You looking forward to spending some time down in Geelong? Yeah, it'll be good to get just a little bit of time with staying in Melbourne. You know, I know a lot of the guys have. You know, I myself have always looked to expand and go overseas, whether it's to Europe or New Zealand or whatever may come. But for this year, you know, we had some off-season plans in terms of getting married, and it was going to be a bit of a crazy time trying to figure out a contract. And the NBL one's going stronger each and every year and I think now it's connection to the NBL and it's marketing and promotion and it's going to keep ascending so for myself an opportunity to play here and stay local and live in Melbourne was, was too good to pass up so I'm excited yeah, very much excited for it. And what are your sort of takes on the NBL at the moment, Mitch? Like, it just seems to be going from strength to strength. We're raving about it all the time. A Tasmanian team about to enter next year as well. 
It must be a great feeling. It's right up there with, I would say, one of the best leagues in the world. Yeah, I think it's climbing in the world ranks. It's a really hard thing to do when you compare all the other leagues around the world because I myself haven't played in them, so I don't want to speak out of turn too much. But definitely when I watch the quality of basketball, the quality of players and the style, you know, how we go about our business, how competitive it is. You know, if you play bad, there's a pretty damn good chance you're going to lose. And there's not a whole lot of leagues from top team to bottom that just have that kind of depth. You know, even in, in Illawarra, who, you know, obviously struggled this year and were plagued with injuries, managed to only get the five wins. But if you didn't play well with you, like Illawarra, were not going away. There's a lot of leagues that you just know first versus last. Not so much this year. So I love that about the NBL. Yeah, absolutely. And we talk about it quite frequently, about how competitive the league is. And even with, you know, two weeks ago in the season, there were about six teams that mathematically could have made the finals. And, I mean, as a player, you guys must be pretty excited that that's the direction it's heading. Yeah, we love it. Love that weekly hit out. I remember, uh, you know, when I was a junior and how excited I would be about every single week. It was like, regardless whether you knew you were a better team or not, you'd be excited about this competition of, you know, a, a weekly hit out. And I think in the NBA, obviously, it's on a much bigger scale. But I just get so excited because, you know, every single game, you have to be ready to play. You have to be ready to compete. And you're going to have to play well to win. And if you're a competitor, gee, what, what else could you want? Yeah, definitely, man. And that's probably the key where they're being a competitor. Speaking of the youth, I suppose, we like to ask all of our guests a little piece of advice that you can give any young basketballers out there that are listening, because we do have quite a few. And you have mentioned the word sacrifice quite a bit, and I'm wondering if that's where your mind goes to. Yeah, I mean, it does at the same time. Like, I'm not really one to tell people how to live their lives. I was always loved basketball from the get-go. Like, you didn't have to tell me to, you know, I need you to get ready for training or you should be more excited about training. I just loved playing basketball. <laughs> yeah. If it was the highest level I could play at the time, if it was my mates asking me to go play in some rec league and I'm like, yep, sick. Like, I'll come down to PCYC and play and they'll be like, no, you won't. Like, you've got too much fun. <laughs> you know, like, so for myself, it was an easy decision. It was almost, I didn't have to make a decision. It was like, do I go to this 18th or do I go to this train? I'm going to training. I, I think like as, you get, as you get older those decisions become tougher and, and you do have to make a choice. You know, you might be good at two different sports, might be good at footy and basketball. If you want to be serious and you want to make it as a pro because it's, it's only getting harder because the level continues to grow and I think you just have to make a choice. If, if you're young and, and you're talented, how much do I want this? If you don't, that's okay, but if you do, you've got to work. Yeah, that's great advice yeah. right there, just putting hard work. Now, Mitch, I know you've got a very bright future, many years in front of you with Melbourne United, the Supercats, and wherever it may lie lie but we have also used this podcast as a little bit of a way to recruit players so we were wondering if say 10 15 years down the track you might like to pull on a zombies uniform for our local a grade team <laughs> Mate, that's a really nice offer if if i'm around town i can't see why not yes <laughs> yes so, so we've got jock Landau, we've got mitch McC- man the team ross is growing by the minute but you know we're going to have to remind you in 10 years time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> of course, man. As we sort of wrap this up, one little curly question we like to ask is, what's a surprising fact about you, Mitch, that your fans or followers may not know? Like, you know, you went to knitting or anything like that that people might not know? <laughs> I never know how to answer this question because I don't think I'm that interesting. <laughs> I guess one of the abstract is, is my music taste. I am really into metal. Yes. Um, yes. And so a lot of my 
teammates are obviously hip-hop guys and, and rap guys and you know I, I'd be cussed at if I put my music on the radio in the van but yeah that's something that I've always enjoyed since I was a young teen and, and I love it to this day. Mitch McCarran, I think we just became best friends because you are talking to a, a metal head here. And that was the next question. Without a lie, what band are you listening to? What sort of metal are you into? Oh, man, I listen to a lot. My music collection is not a brand. It's just an I listen to a lot. You know, anything from the old school Smiths will make me happy and then all the way up to certain death metal bands. I mean, Killswitch and Games, Metallica, all great, but also like Gojira, anything with a nice little rhythm to it, I get behind. Love it. Love it right here, man. I do a bit of a side project called The Underground, and I've interviewed both of the guys from Killswitch Engage, Howard Jones and Jesse Leach, before You know they swapped over there. So right into it, Gajira, really great as well. So I think that is awesome. <laughs> Mitch McCarran, awesome. stepping up. BFFs, boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, one last question. Ned's going to come down from that for a while, but how about another recommendation, something you've been watching on TV or anything else you reckon you could recommend to our listeners? I'm a bit behind. We really struggle because my partner likes to go to sleep mid-episode, so we, we can't we can't binge watch. One thing that I really liked was the Juju What's it called? Well, we're watching Peaky Blinders right now. But the one about the sound bad with names, guys. Yeah. The one about the, the chemist, is it? Breaking Bad? No, no, no. The, the new Netflix series is called The Chemist or something like that. Okay. Oh, we'll have to look into that. I don't yeah, think I've seen it. Yeah, look it up. It's a pretty inter- interesting story about a guy trying to get back at about prescription pills, which is something that's just obviously around the world right now. It was a really interesting story, so have a look. Well, and I can definitely sympathise because I have a, uh, a mid-episode sleeper as a partner as well, so oh, <laughs> maybe it's movie oh, night with Mitch and I oh, <laughs> all be mates. <laughs> uh, Mitch McCarran, we can't thank you enough. Metalhead, zombie to be, I guess, Melbourne United player as <laughs> yeah. well. But you are the man. Thank you so much for taking some time out. We really appreciate it. No worries, guys. Thanks for having me on. Be sure to hit this man up, Instagram.com, M underscore McCarran, or on Twitter.com slash Mitch McCarran. This has been another presentation from the Grey Wolf Entertainment Network, greywolfentertainment.net.